The passage that I want us to look at today is Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 through 21. I had Brother Matthew uh, read the context of this passage so that we can understand what happened just, just before this. And in between that passage and this little paragraph here in chapter 20 is the giving of the covenant, the law of Moses. There in the first uh, 17 verses of chapter 20. And in chapter 19, which is the setting, we see that uh, in leading up to this portion of the book of Moses, God continually reveals Himself and teaches the people through testing and brings about their deliverance. And three months after Yahweh delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, they arrived at the mountain of God, and Moses goes up and speaks with God, and they prepare, they're supposed to prepare their hearts for worshiping God on, at the mountain. And the people are there to stand close enough to hear God, but only Moses can go up on the mountain. And on the third day, God, after their preparation, God invites them to come and meet with them at the edge of the mountain. And so they're preparing themselves there in chapter 20. And then we see on the third day at dawn that God comes down on the mountain. And in, chapter, in verse uh, 16 through 19 of chapter 19, we see this statement of the situation. That so it came about on the third day that when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. The whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. So we see the picture of this situation. So looking in the next page there in chapter 20 and verse 18 through 21, I'll read that just briefly. All the people perceived the thunder and lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But let God not speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of Him may remain with you, and so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. We see here in this passage, just a brief overview of the structure, 
and verse 18, the setting or the situation where they are. And in verse 19 and 20, we see this dialogue in a search for a solution to this situation. And then in the verse 21, we see the new situation that there is a parting, a contrast. And in this passage, there's a strong contrast between the people and Moses. So as we look at this, I believe that this passage, the, the main idea of this passage, is that God is teaching Israel to have a right fear of God. He's teaching Israel to have a right fear of God. I think for us today, I hope that we will understand in this passage how we too can have a right fear of God. I want to just bring out two things in this passage that we can uh, learn that, uh, that can, we can apply to our lives today. And one, the first thing is that we must learn to rightly fear God because of His greatness. We must learn to rightly fear God because of His greatness. And then the second thing is that, a, 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 that we must learn to rightly fear God through the Mediator, and that is Jesus Christ. So the first thing, we must learn to rightly fear God because of His greatness. The people were overwhelmed by the power of God. Think of this situation. Think of the lightning, the thunder, and the earthquake. Have you ever been so terrified that you could not move? Maybe lightning struck nearby and you experienced shock from the experience. Maybe like Israel at the contest of Baal and Yahweh in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 39, where Elijah called on the name of the Lord. And it says that fire came from heaven and consumed the offering and the wood and the stones and the dust. And the people responded by falling on their faces. And they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Consider what Elihu says in Job 37, verse 4 and 5. He speaks of God. He says, God thunders with His majestic voice. And He does not restrain the lightnings when His voice is heard. God thunders with His voice wondrously doing great things which we cannot comprehend. Also, David writes in Psalm 29, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord hews the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. In His temple, everything says, Glory. God is great and powerful as Creator and, and Sovereign Sustainer of the universe. We must understand His power in order to rightly fear Him. A weak or common, just like us kind of God can do nothing for us and is one that does not deserve our fear. 
while Israel rightly took the encounter here very seriously, we see a problem here that they thought God was only there to destroy them. They thought God was, was only against them. You know, recall in, in even just after they had gotten out of, of Egypt, just seeing those miracles in, in Exodus 14 and, and 15, and, and Moses stands there at the Red Sea, and the people start complaining. And, and this is something we see over and over again. They, they start saying, Moses, you brought us out here to kill us. And eventually they would start blaming God and saying, God brought us out here to kill us. Constantly turning against God in, in skepticism of God's intentions and His promises. In, in this passage, we learn that we, there is two kinds of fear of God. Look with me in, in verse 19. It says, Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But let not God speak to us, or we will die. They were convinced that God was there, and they were going to die in hearing His voice. I think it's interesting that when they heard God's voice there, it really, that was the thing that was most frightening about the experience. It doesn't mention that they were afraid so much of the, the thunder, even though that was frightening. But it was a voice of God that was so powerful that they thought then that they were going to die. Something to think about, this is not uh, germane to this passage, but sometimes we take hearing God's voice lightly we say it flippantly, I hear God, you know, God speaks to me. I think it's interesting, you know, that in this situation, it was a very powerful and serious thing to hear God's voice. But notice Moses says in verse 20, he said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Now, here is something interesting because we see this uh, further in Scripture, in the rest of Scripture, that sometimes the Scripture says, do not fear, and then at other times it says to fear God. So is this you know, some contradiction? Well, I believe not. But maybe that there is two kinds of fear. Two different kinds of fear. That uh, he says, do not be afraid. Now it's the same root word, but he's saying, he's using it in a different sense. Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you. So there's a kind of fear that is a wrong fear. But then he says, in order that the fear of him may remain with you. So there's a good kind of fear that we must have of God. And I think to distinguish and to really understand uh, this fear correctly, there's, there's just one thing I'm going to bring out, and that is that there's uh, a contrast between these two kinds of fear. And we see these in both Moses and the people. 
So notice that the people exemplify a wrong fear of God. This fear that God is out to get me, to, to hurt me, to, to kill me. And uh, so a wrong fear of God causes us to be distant from God. A wrong fear of God causes us to be distant from God. Power causes one of two reactions in people. Either it, it gives us an overwhelming awe or it gives us a terrifying fear that something bad is going to happen. I can illustrate this in uh, an instance where I was jogging through a neighborhood years ago and as I was jogging I saw a dog at a house that I was approaching and before I could think uh, this this big dog came running out to meet me he was barking and he was he was huge his head stood almost chest high on me and he was running right for me I was scared I braced for impact <laughs> Then he stopped just, just two feet in front of me. He was barking and growling and showing his teeth. The hair on his back stood up, and, and so did mine. <laughs> I was terrified. I was terrified of this dog, and uh, I really wished that I had not come down that street. <laughs> I really wished the dog would just go away, you know, go back where it came from. And really, that's that's, the, that's really the key of how we view the object of our fear. For many, this is how we view God. We wish that we had never come in contact with God. We'd never encountered God or been confronted by God. The reality is that we wish that He would just go away and leave us alone this is the attitude of atheism. It's the attitude of the demons in James 2, verse 19. And sadly, it is the attitude of everyone in hell. This is a wrong and sinful fear. And this fear is based on a wrong understanding of God and His character and a wrong view of ourselves. The reaction of the people was ultimately a love of self. They preferred their own comfort and safety over the presence of God. They would rather part with God than to part with their sin. This is a sinful fear of God. And it causes us to be distant from God. And we see, you know, after all these things that God had done for them, and they were just there at the mountain, and they, they at the end of this passage, they part their ways and they distance themselves from God. And, and just at the end of this, 40 days later, we see when Moses comes down, they are so distant that they've even created an another God, an image of an animal, a calf, and even Aaron is involved in it. How easy it is 
to fall into a wrong fear of God that distances ourselves from God. The second type of fear is a right fear of God. And this fear draws us close to God. This right fear draws us closer to God. So Moses is the contrast of this example of this right fear. It causes a person to draw near to God in holy awe and reverence. This kind of fear understands rightly that God is not here to destroy us but to save and restore us. This is the kind of fear that caused Peter to get out of the boat into the storm where Jesus was. He would rather risk the storm to be with Jesus than to stay in the comfort and safety of the boat. This is a right fear of God. Spurgeon you know, said it beautifully. He says, Gazing upon the vast expanse of waters, looking up to the innumerable stars, examining the wing of an insect, and seeing there the matchless skill of God displayed in the minute, or standing in a thunderstorm, watching, as best you can, the flashes of lightning and listening to the thunder of Jehovah's voice. Have you not often shrunk in yourselves and said, Great God, how terrible art thou! Not afraid, but full of delight. Like a child who rejoices to see his father's wealth, his father's wisdom, his father's power. And at home, the feeling Oh, so little. You see, an important element of godly right fear is that it both understands the great majestic power of God and that this God loves me and is here ultimately for my good. How can one come so boldly to God like, like Moses? We can only rightly understand God's power when we understand His full character and grace. This brings us to the second point, that we must learn to rightly fear God through the Mediator, Jesus Christ. You see, in this passage, in verse 20, Moses said, Do not be afraid. He's come so that you may not sin. That is to to have a right fear of God, not a wrong, sinful fear of God. In verse 21 he says, So the the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. You see, Moses went up to the mountain and, and the people stood afar off and Moses went and brought God's words to the people and and brought the people's words to God. Moses was acting as a mediator. And that was really part of the purpose of this. You see in verse 9 says, The Lord said, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud so the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. Why is he saying that they will believe in Moses forever? Well, they were constantly questioning Moses and did not follow Moses. 
Ultimately, Moses is a picture of Christ. Moses told the words of the people to the Lord and vice versa. But we see in the book of, of Hebrews that we have something greater than Moses. We have Christ. And in Christ we can come boldly into the presence of God. We can, through Christ, come before God just like Moses did on the mountain. Christ can cleanse us from the sin that separates us from God. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 through 29, Jesus provides for us a better covenant. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. And in verse 18 it says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched to a blazing fire and to a darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command, If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am in full of fear and trembling. But you, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and the myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enthroned in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. To see, see to it that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from Him who warns from heaven. And His voice shook the earth then. But now He promises saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. In conclusion, our greatest fears tell us what is most important to us. What we fear says a lot about us. Our fears guide what we think and do. Our fears control us and shape us and our decisions. We make great sacrifices for our fears. I may fear what people think. And maybe I talk a certain way around certain people because I fear and want to fit in with them. This shows that I value their approval. 
I may lock my doors and even pay for an expensive security system because I fear losing my possessions, which I value. Our fears show what we value. Our fears keep us awake at night, take our time and energy, give us high blood pressure and anxiety. They cause us to fixate on the object of our fear. Every fear is tied to something we love. So that brings us to this question. What do we fear? I often fear things that I hear about. I fear the government, what's going on in this world. I fear evil and what people can do. But the Bible says that if we fear God, there's nothing else that we should fear. Just like, as we mentioned, Peter, there walking out on the water, he was not afraid of the waves because he knew that Jesus would protect him. You see, if we fear God, we will fear nothing else because we know that God is in control, that nothing else comes even close to the power of God and that He loves us. I pray that we would renew a right fear of God because even we as Christians, like Peter, can fear and fall into a wrong fear of God. Because even Peter, when he was walking out there, he saw the waves and he began to fear the storm. But what is the answer? Maybe you, like Peter, have these fears that, that encroach upon our lives. What is our answer? It's in Jesus, our true mediator. Jesus Christ is our answer. He is the one that we need. He alone can bring us into the presence of God. He alone can bring us to the throne boldly to ask our request of God. I pray that we would renew that right fear, that we may fear nothing else, and that we would fear God rather than men. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You are a God that is great and powerful. But unlike the pagan gods, You are not just powerful, You are good. And Lord, that You are one that we can trust. You are righteous, holy, and just. And Lord, I pray that as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we would fear no evil, for You are with us. And You will always be with us, even to the end of the age. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.